told Donovan, how about we just show a video, a, a DVD from somewhere, and he just would not go for it. I tried. But I am excited. I feel like I have something to say. And so I tell you what, there's, there's nobody else I'd rather be saying it to than you guys in here. This, just these people right here. I'm excited. I'm excited. This is, this is a great group. This is a great group. Look at Jack. He's so happy to be here. It's just awesome. So I'm missing Donovan, but I'm glad to be with you guys. Um, of course, I wouldn't want to be with him. He's at a conference. And so <laughs> I want to talk to you tonight about something that's been on my heart, and that is uh, prayer. I want to talk to you about prayer. And, of course, listen, anytime someone says that, you know, it's, it's certainly not my goal to make anyone feel condemned like, like we need to do more. Oh, i got to do more. i got to do more. Well, like, who can ever do enough, really? My goal is to, to inspire us to uh, go deeper. And so I certainly don't stand here as an expert on prayer. Um, but I do recall times in my life, seasons when prayer felt more like a duty than anything else. You know what I mean? And I don't remember when it changed from feeling like a duty to something like I've just got to have it every day. But somehow it, it changed, and um, and I, I'm thankful for that. So I do want to start off with some, some practical applications, but uh, first let me say a quick prayer. Father, thank you for this opportunity to speak to people who have amazing calls of God on their life, God. Help us all to find ourselves in you. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's just start off with some basics, just some practical advice, just some stuff I found that, that helped helped uh, me schedule it. You don't even know. <laughs> Many times... Many times we don't pray because we just don't plan to pray. Same reason we don't exercise. Same reason I don't grocery shop. I don't schedule it. So we never have any food, you know. So that's, that's the thing. It's a matter of priority. Uh, there are many verses in the Bible that suggest setting aside times to pray in Romans, Thessalonians, uh, Luke. But the one that always stands out to me is Daniel. Isn't it amazing? how he prayed not only three times a day, but, but what a, I mean, what a, what a detailed kind of guy. Non-detailed people admire detailed people, and I guess vice versa, because the grass is always greener. And so it just inspires me that not only did he pray, but he had such a method. He, he, he raised his window. He faced a certain way. You know, there was just such a method to it, Miss Cynthia. And, 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 um, you know, that saying the devil's in the details. Well, the devil's in the details because the Lord was there first. That's why the devil's in the details. It was it. Maybe it was those details. It was that it was that 
just plodding along in a prayer life that it didn't seem to be going anywhere, trapped in Babylon, working for a political system that you really don't agree with. But yet it sure came in handy when he was in the lion's den, didn't it? It, 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 it sure carried him through. Uh, I, I mean, I've had some dark times, but that's a pretty dark time, the lion's den kind of thing. That's dark right there. That's hard. That would be hard. That would be trying. I would be tempted to doubt. I'm not going to lie. I'd be tempted to doubt. Um, I'm scared of, uh, I love to go to the park uh, up here, the, right in front of Duplessis Primary. They have such a nice uh, path. And, you know, I know all the people that go up there, we all wave at each other. And sometimes a dog gets loose up there. It's so offensive when people bring their dogs to the park and they're not leashed. If I knew it were illegal, I would report them because I'm scared of loose dogs. Like, because like when you, you know how like you're walking and you've got your head, you get your headphones in and then one comes up behind you and, and surprises you. That's like the worst. So I dread dogs at the park. I feel scared. I go and literally walk next to one of those people that I only know by face. I'm sure there's thinking there's that woman again who's scared of dogs. So, I mean, I would be tempted to lose my faith in the lion's den. It would be hard. I'm just saying, but he had a prayer life that got him through. So he scheduled it. But regular prayer alone does not ensure effective prayer. So adopt some ways, practical ways to avoid mental drift. Pray out loud for heaven's sake. Pray out loud. That, that, that's so helpful. I have a picture. Put, up, put my first picture up. I like, I like visuals. Look at that groove. Is that not the grooviest? You see, this is my great-great-grandfather, Noah Adams. He started many churches. Uh, he didn't believe in going to doctors. One time he, he was mowing the yard with that thing that twirls. There was no string to pull on the lawnmower. The lawnmower just twirled, and he cut off his toe. And he took his kerosene rag out and tied his toe back on, and the Lord healed him. He was a stubborn man. Uh, well, that's my great-grandmother right next to him. And uh, she was widowed. She had many kids but was widowed at a young age. And so she had to keep living with her parents. They had to help her raise all those kids. She had a really, really hard time. Um, just just such a hard time back then. Uh, but she played the accordion and she preached a lot, traveled with them, preached a lot, prayed real loud. Brother Tenney, some of you may know him, he's preached for us. He knew my great-great-grandfather. And he said that my, his name was Noah. And uh, he worked at this, uh, you know, the plants, the, it's not a plant, it's a place that makes the telephone poles, covers them with that stuff, Chriso. And at, on his lunch breaks, he would go into the woods, far into the woods, and Brother Tenney used to say they would all just make fun of him and pick on him because he prayed so loud out in the woods that they could hear him over everything that was going on way back at the factory. My great-grandmother she prayed real loud, too, like loud. See, I, I mean, like, 
she passed away when I was young, and so she came to stay at my grandmother's house. And the thing is, she was, you know, in the room where I thought we were supposed to be quiet because she's now sick in the bed. I didn't realize she was on hospice at the time, but that's what it was. But And so it's almost kind of like the dog at the park. I would be just plodding along in, in my grandmother's house doing my own thing, and she would bust out praying so loud. We would kind of jump, and it would kind of scare us, but... Once you got over that, it was really awesome, you know. And so my grandmother's right there in the middle, and that hairdo adds six inches to her height. She was already real tall, prayed so loud, loud prayer. She was was awesome. And, um, oh, my Lord, like when we'd have to spend the night at, at their house, you know, she would, it came bedtime, you know, like she didn't just like kneel down beside the bed and pray. She'd like lay across us. Oh, God, help. Oh, and we're like, I can't breathe. And that's my Aunt Linda. This is a five-generation picture. She prays real loud. It helps that she's one. She's always prayed real loud. But I'm just going to tell you something. Obviously, I don't remember hearing my great-great-grandfather pray, but I remember the others. And I'm so thankful I have that memory. I hope your family has memories of hearing you pray. Because I'm just going to tell you, I remember their prayers, and it carried me through some dark times. I was just a little girl. But to watch, watch those two women right there pass from this life to the next, speaking in tongues, that's amazing. I mean, that's amazing. And it sure has come, the Lord sure has been good to my aunt. Even though that little doll she's holding only lived to be 11. It's that prayer life that's carried her through. And, I, and I'm thankful. And it, it's not some, some theological seminary. Like it's, it's not like you're looking at a picture of just a bunch of educated people. They just prayed. And they prayed out loud. My Lord, they prayed out loud. Another suggestion is keep a prayer list. This is good for, here's, here's a really good suggestion. On one side of the paper, write down your request, link it to a Bible verse, date it. On the other side, write down the times your prayers get answered. Write down when it was answered. One purpose this serves too is to make sure that your prayer time isn't all about you. If you spend most of your prayer time praying about you, I'm telling you, you're missing out on a lot. The whole concept of sowing and reaping just, just, just right off the top. There is just such a depth in praying for others. The great commission, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. If I spend all my prayer time just praying about me and my problems, how, how, where, where does he speak to me about how I can help fulfill his great commission, what he called us to do, to seek and save the lost? So like I said, tie, tie your request. If you have a need, there is no more powerful thing you can do than tie it to a scripture. Lord, I need to be, to be healed. Nicole, Psalm 30, verse 2. Lord, my God, I cried out to you and you healed me. Stand on that verse. That's a promise. Lord, I need 
I need money. I need financial help. Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. What a promise. I have a need. There's a promise. And then, Lord, I don't know what to do. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Hearing from God is found in submission to God's will, which is his word, not in prayers that seek to change his will. But I have a part to play. I have to get my heart into a position to hear and receive from him. In Psalm 30, my part is to call on him in faith. That's my part. In Malachi 3, my part is to give and trust. In Proverbs 3, my part is to trust him and acknowledge him. Acknowledge, that word acknowledge right there, it means to know him. Like to really know him. It was so funny, uh, Sunday, Miss Cynthia, uh, I, I went over there and, uh, to, to your guests and I, I shook their hands. I said, it is so wonderful to have you today. We sure do love Miss Cynthia. And she said, we don't even know her. I said, well, you should get to know her. She's really awesome. <laughs> they, don't, they didn't even know her. We don't even know her. I was like, well, you should get to know her. She's, she's awesome. <laughs> Acknowledge him means to know him. And, and um. That comes through prayer and study of the word. Prayer is not a self-help option like yoga. You know, with the state, um, I'm, I'm, I don't, they don't call it counseling. My invoice calls it personal adjustment. That's what I do, personal adjustment. Yeah, and we're allowed through the state to encourage people to, to pray and meditate and, you know, whatever it takes, you know. Um, but it's promoted through the state as a self-help option. But that's, that's really not what it's, that's a byproduct. You're, it's to know him and to love him with all my heart, all my mind, all my strength, all my soul. A byproduct of that is, is that self-help thing. I'm feeling good kind of thing, you know. So effective prayer is the fruit of a relationship with God, not a technique for acquiring blessings. Uh, I got another picture. This is uh, Florence, Florence Chadwick. Hi, Florence. It's hard to find a modest picture of Florence. When this picture was taken, she had already swam the English Channel without stopping. In 1952, she attempted to swim from Catalina Island to mainland California. Her trainer 
was in a boat near her as she swam on a foggy day. After 15 hours of swimming, even though her coach was there cheering her on and encouraging her, she was begging, please pull me back into the boat. Pull me back into the boat. Not realizing because of the fog, she was just a half mile from the shore. The next day at a press conference, she was quoted as saying, I do not want to make excuses for myself. I am the one who asked to be pulled out. But I think that if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. Two months later on a sunny day, she proved that she was right. She made it. Brothers and sisters, at the heart of all our praying must be a clear biblical vision. That vision embraces who God is, what he has done, who we are, where we are going, and what we must value and cherish. That vision drives us toward increasing conformity with Jesus, toward lives lived in light of eternity. I want to know how to hear from God. I want to know how to hear from God. Things come up, don't they? I mean, things happen, and, and life gets hard, and it's confusing. Well, what do I do about this, and what do I do about that? And then here's a standard. Here's a standard, okay? Well, if there's any opposition, it must not be God. It must not be. You know, in that picture, I showed you my, my great-great-grandfather. I don't have a picture of my great-great-grandmother but I do know that they were the first to convert, the first to speak in tongues in our family, and her family disowned her. I'm glad she didn't decide that was too much opposition. I'm glad. All these generations later, think about what that one choice would have done for our family had she just decided, well, if my, if my family says it's wrong to speak in tongues, then it must be wrong. I'm just going to back off. I'm so thankful she didn't. Paul didn't either. Uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians 16 and 9, Paul said this, uh, For a great door, an effective door, has opened to me. That word effective, that means powerful in the Greek. A great and powerful door has opened to me. And there are many adversaries. Just because there's a struggle, it doesn't, like, that can't be the litmus test. I've got to know how to hear from God for myself. I've got to be able to look beyond the circumstances, look beyond what's going right and what's going wrong, and, and decipher out of that, what does God want from me? What does God want me to do? What does God want me to be? For any given prayer or undertaking in life, we need to be able to discern whether the Lord is saying, I think one of four things. Uh, sometimes he says never. There are some things that never. Never is sin. Never. Oh, my word. Oh, my word. Just, it's so easy to reason out, though. Sometimes it's just such good common sense to sin. It just just so convenient it was just right there it just seemed like the thing to do 
never. He also said never be afraid. I've been afraid. That doesn't make it right. Correct? He said never be afraid. He said never doubt him. So we can't let our moods and our fears challenge God's never word. Uh, Sometimes he says always. Always stand firm in faith. There are some things he says to always do. They're non-negotiable, always. There are some times, though, he says at certain times, right? So, like, sometimes he says some things come only by prayer and fasting. Now, I can't fast every day, like from here on out. But we can fast at certain times, right? And we should. The Lord said to do that. And so that's at certain times. Uh, And then sometimes he says, yes, but not now. Correct? Like, he says, here's the promised land, but don't go in it yet. Wait. There are plenty of examples in the Bible where he said, wait. And so it's important to be able to hear from the Lord on these nevers always at certain times and yes, but not now. Because all of it isn't written like right in the word. Like, I can't open to... To, to 1 Corinthians 2 and 7 and say, okay, should I take that job or that job? I've got to be able to hear from the Lord. You know, should I do this or that? Should I move here or there? What do I do? It, there are some things that are solid written in the Word. Some things are not. Some of you may not know, but one of my jobs is I'm an expert witness in disability court. Now, I just started that in August, and when I first started going in court with attorneys, it was kind of intimidating. You see, I'm supposed to be legally unbiased. I don't represent anyone. I'm just unbiased. But the numbers that I present, you know, if the judge asks me questions that make the claimant look bad, it is the attorney's, the unbiased attorney's job to attack my numbers by thus attacking me, right? And so... The first time it happened, you know, I, I, I was walking through the lobby, and I saw this older, very distinguished man wearing a bow tie. And I texted Donovan right away, and I said, there's an attorney in the lobby, and I know he's going to be mean he's wearing a bow tie. I, don't, I just felt it. I just knew. And boy, did it turn out to be right. Did he want to argue over the dumbest thing? He wanted to take me down over just just this stupid thing. Fortunately, though, I'd done a lot of work with this stupid thing. So I was, I, I mean, I was just like, my legs were shaking under the table and my hand, one of my hands went, so, uh, but I just, I held my own. And when it was all over, well, first of all, the judge ended up getting mad at him and dismissing him and telling him he'd have to come back, which was, she made him wait like four months. But when he was gone, when he left the room, she said, you did very well. She said, but you didn't have to argue with him all that time. She said, I'll tell you what to say next time that happens. I wrote that down. When a judge tells you what to say, here's what you do. You write it down. These are the numbers that the agency accepts. She said, no matter what else they say, just keep saying that over and over again. These are the numbers that the agency accepts. 
I love it now when they get real mad, and I keep just saying that over and over again. I just love it. These, this right here is a gold mine. These are the numbers that the agency accepts. This one little sentence has saved me so much grief. You just, you just can't even imagine how horrible it is to be trapped in there. And at this courthouse in Baton Rouge, the, attor- the opposing attorney sits right next to you on the same side of the table. That's why I have this memorized. <laughs> I don't need this paper, but just in case I panic, I have it. These are the numbers that the agency accepts. You see, because when you start to panic, when I start to panic, there's one thing that you can say. This is the word. The foundations of the world, everything will pass away. But this word, God's word, will never pass away. It supersedes every emotion, every sickness, every disease, every doubt, every fear, every lack. Anything the enemy can throw at me, dress it up in a bow tie, throw it at me. I can fight it. I have God's word on my side. And so... I'm thankful for that. Look at, look at, um, look at uh, Isaiah 61 and 3. I saw this too. And, and here's the deal. Talking about praying and, and like a good technique is also journaling because it keeps you from rushing through. It helps you slow down. All these notes I pulled from my journal last year, from last year <laughs> because I didn't really, like, it's like, what can I say? You know what? Oh, that was a great section out of my journal. I'm going to share it Wednesday night. I love this verse. I saw this. I, I love to look words up. I love to look up the meaning of the words. I've never seen this before, Valerie. This is awesome. To appoint, oh, see, so to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. Okay, so I just want to stop right there. That word beauty, when you look it up, it doesn't mean like beauty, like beauty and the beast. It means, it means an embellishment. It means like a family headdress, a symbol of authority. For ashes, the word ashless, ashes means worthless. So let's read it like this. To call or mark those full of sorrow because of death or loss or calamity to give them authority for worthlessness. That's what God wants to give you morning by morning, authority for worthlessness. Let me read that one more time for those who know the pain of loss, who know that feeling of calamity that sneaks up on you, that blows in like a hurricane catches you off guard and leaves you feeling helpless and stunned and worthless. Isaiah said the Lord would call to those of us who are full of sorrow because of death or loss or calamity, and he will give to us authority for worthlessness. We exercise that authority in prayer. That's where it comes in handy. It's, he, this is not the kind of authority. It's not saying he gives it to you on the job. It's in prayer. That's where the authority comes from. 
That's where we're to use it. Authority over what? The enemy and all that he tries to throw at us to shake our faith, to make us doubt God's promises. That's good, huh? I saw that. I saw that journaling one morning. That's a promise God made me. I wrote it down over a year ago in a journal. Just pulled it out and found it last week. Revelations 2, 21, I'm sorry, 21 and 1. This is amazing. This is John, okay, obviously. He writes this verse. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Now, I read that, and I thought that's weird. He didn't, that's weird. That's a strange thing to end the verse with. I mean, I get that there's a new heaven, and there's a new earth. All the old is passing away. Oh, and also, there's no more sea. That's weird. You see what I mean? Like, it doesn't fit the text. And, and so I, I got to praying about it, and I got to thinking about it. Uh, would you show my, my last picture? There's John. There he is. He's somewhere on that island. He's been stranded. Uh, he's trapped by the sea. Hemmed in. That sea represents all the limitations that hold him down. And I'm wondering what he's thinking. So like he's having this awesome vision. I mean, my Lord, he's made it to chapter 21. And he's writing all this stuff. And I wondered, though, if he's, even though he's seeing all this amazing stuff, I mean, there he is on that island right there. I wonder if he's saying, okay, now, I'm, I wonder why I'm writing this down. Like, I mean, I'd like to think I'm writing it down because I'm going to get off this island. Just sit right back in a heretic tale of a faithful church. Well, like, I wonder if he's thinking, like, I wonder how I'm going to get off this island. Like, do you ever try to, like, think? Like, when I'm really stressed over a situation, I can literally, like, think about it while I sleep because, well, I just know I do. And, and I grind my teeth and I wake up in the middle of the night in the middle of an idea. Like, I'm just constantly, like, thinking of a way out, thinking of a way out. I feel trapped. I'm thinking of a way out. I'm thinking of a way out. My mind's just turning all the time. I wonder if John was saying, okay, I'm right. I've written all this, all this down. I wonder who I wrote it down for. I mean, surely he's going to get me off this island. I don't know. I don't know how. You need a pretty big ship. Closest one's a long way off. Look at the sea. I'm trapped. And then he wrote, saw a new heaven, a new earth. For the first heaven and the earth were passed away. Also, there was no more sea. So when he got lost in prayer, when he found himself in the spirit on the Lord's day, it was in prayer that God let him know a day was coming when the problem, the limitations he, were, he was currently facing would not even exist anymore. 
not even exist. By the way, John, there will be no more sea. No more sea. God wants to say that to someone tonight. You have not prayed your best prayer. You have not received your greatest miracle. God's not done with you. No matter what, he's still calling. He wants to bless you with all the promises in his word. He wants a real relationship with us, and prayer is the way it happens. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. It's, um, I, I, I know how it is in a younger church. There's, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like we're building a new building still spiritually, still digging a foundation. Prayer is what lays that foundation. It's our prayers that we pray that let people come in here. The prayers we pray determine the level of freedom that people feel when they come into this place. We're literally digging a foundation. Stand up with me. Like I said, I'm not standing here as some expert, but I'm telling you, and you could tell, each of you could tell us, we've all been through so much, haven't we? Isn't God still faithful? Isn't he still faithful? Did, did you deserve any of the good? In those darkest times, in those loneliest times when he's come to you, none of us have deserved it. None of us. There's, so once we're past that, isn't he wonderful? Isn't he isn't he faithful? Isn't he amazing? He's got such great things in store for you guys. Such such a great life. I, I wish I wish I could tell you it was gonna be all amazing. Some of it's gonna be really hard, but it's all looking back gonna be worth it because we walk through it with him, isn't it? 